Um, so cash call, everybody, we're back. Uh, we're streaming live now. Good to see everyone. We got a bunch of attendees in the uh, in the room over here. Uh, let me see if Keith, Keith Bjorklund submitted a call that we're going to be playing today. And uh, also, yeah, I wanted to say we, I'm, we're doing some traveling. So there's going to be a, a follow-up boss um, uh, for a, uh, there's going to be a live training or a live workshop for follow-up boss users uh, in San Diego. Are you going to that, Brian? I don't know. When is it? Okay. It's uh, in March. Uh, it's just getting, Maybe. We, we, I don't even know if we really have dates yet. Uh, and then I think both Brian and I will be speaking at the Y Lopo event in April. Uh, yes. So, yep, we're going to come, come to, to Toronto. Toronto. Sue Brittnell says, come to Toronto. Listen, Sue, yeah. Sue Brittnell, you just have to, you have to make the offer. Get us, get us uh, some kind of event and Brian and I'll come speak there. And uh, we'd be more than happy to uh, when, when it's not locked down. Uh, right. And uh, it's really hard to get into Canada, as I understand right now. So maybe yeah. not, maybe not next week. So yeah, yeah summer, yeah. because uh, I, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, about four hours from Canada and Toronto in February is no offense is not where I want to be. So. Um, all right. So, so Brian has now insulted all the Torontons uh, on our Absolutely call. Absolutely not. I mean, I, part of me don't want to be in Colorado in February either. I, I don't like the cold. I live in Colorado and I love the cold. So no, I totally get that. Um, all right. So we have a call from Keith Bjorkland today who he submitted his call in here, which is fantastic, by the way, open call for anybody who wants to submit a call. You can just email me dale at smartinsidesales.com uh, or you can find the link to submit the calls in the postings that we do about cash call that you registered for. So Keith submitted this call. It is a Zillow call. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's a bad one, Keith. He, he did his discovery. He got his questions in there. Um, but I want to point something out. So we're going to play this. And um, let, me, let me see if I can. Can I open this in a different window? We're, we're seeing that for what that's worth. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I'm going to, there's the notes. All right, so and I'm going to come over here. We're going to play the call. I don't know if those notes would make any sense. I want people to hear it first. And the audio from the leads perspective is really bad on this recording. So let's just listen to it. I'm going to put it on 1.25 so it goes a little bit faster. Just give me a thumbs up when you hear it. Hi there, Alex here. I'm connecting you to a local agent now. Hey, Nicola, this is Keith Bjorkman at Fulton Grace. How are you today? Doing good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, looks like if you're interested in this property on lunch and you're wanting to set up a time for uh, tomorrow at 5 p.m. Is that right? That's right, yes. Okay. I'm happy to uh, set that up for you and schedule that. Um, looks like I do have that available right now, so I can put that on the calendar. Um, I'd love to just ask you a few questions and get an idea of where you're at in your home search, if that's okay. Okay. So are you uh, a first-time buyer or are you currently an owner? First-time buyer. Okay. Um, and are you pretty much looking in the Rogers Park area or are you pretty broadly searching at this point? Uh, just really broadly. Okay. Where are you at currently? Uh, in Rogers Park. Cool. And you're just renting in that area now? That's right. So mostly I want you to listening to the questions that Keith is asking. Because I know we can't hear the lead. Sounds good. Is there anything uh, critical about the place that you're looking for? Do you need to have, um, like, biggest things would be pets? Do you have any pets or do you like, need parking or anything like that? Uh, no pets. Um, parking is optional, yeah. that you're looking at uh, 
are you uh, trying to get out by the end of your lease? And when six zero, when does that lease end? Are you trying to get out by the end of your lease? And if so, when does that lease end? Okay, so you're trying to shoot for April 1st, that you'd be in a new place? Yeah, Okay, cool. And Ari, uh, have you already been working with an agent or speaking with an agent? And have you already gone out to see some places at this point? All right, uh, cool. Well, that's that's good information. Um, All right, so let me show you the notes that I wrote down on this. I don't know if you can read this. Let me zoom in here. So the problem, I don't know if you guys are picking this up. The agent keeps answering the questions that he asked the guy. For instance, he says, are you pretty much looking in Rogers or broadly searching? Uh, he asks, and you're just renting in that area when the guy says where he lives. Because uh, he said, oh, you know, are you a first time buyer? Good question. So Keith is getting the questions. He's, he's hitting the discovery questions he needs to hit. But he keeps phrasing it in a way where he's answering the question for the guy. Oh, and you're just renting in that area. Uh, or so no pets. Uh, are you trying to get out by the end of your lease, right? Instead of asking open-ended questions, which would sound much more like, hey, what neighborhoods are you interested in? Where are you looking? Uh, are you renting there? Uh, and so do you have any pets? Because he, you notice the other thing I noted here is he asks two questions together. Do you need pets or do you have pets or need parking? Here he asks three questions together. He asks a, a Brian's most hated question, and he asks three questions at a time. You know, as a lead, there's three different answers that happen to these three different questions, or could be three different answers. So, which one is the lead going to give you? Uh, we don't know, right? Um, and then again, the biggest—I would say—is this is a style issue that Keith needs to work on to stop answering the question and ask more open-ended questions. I 100% agree with what you said there, Dale. And the other thing I would add to that, I don't need to reiterate it. You guys are smart enough to get it the first time, but there's little things and, you know, this is very nuanced and very picky what I'm about to say. Are you just renting? Don't say that. And here's why I don't want you to say that. It feels less than. Right. I rent a house. Like I currently rent a house and granted, I would much rather own a house than rent, but there was circumstances around that. I, I own a house. It's just in another state. But yeah. my point is that's, that's derogatory. And I don't think that Keith is mean to be derogatory. Are, are you, are you just a renter? Oh, I'm not good enough to be a buyer. You know, that's what people hear. And I don't, I can't imagine not knowing Keith real well, but I can't imagine that that's what he meant by that. So no, he sound, um, no, Keith sounds like a nice guy. He doesn't sound like he's trying to be rude or condescending, but the way that right. he phrases his questions, I don't think is helping him with his discovery. Uh, and one of the worst questions that I heard, you know, we, we hear how flat and how reserved this lead is, right? The lead is not really giving up anything. And, and Keith keeps asking these closed end questions that answer the question for the lead where the lead can almost basically just yes or no him or repeat back the answer that Keith gives him. And then we'll notice that when Keith tries to get the guy to talk, here's the question, I wrote it here. Is there anything at this point you have questions about? That's just too open-ended. We also hear when he opened the call with, hey, can I ask you a few questions about your scenario? That's a question. You could have just replaced it with a discovery question. Again, rather than asking this one word cartoon that you're talking to, if they have any questions about, if uh, is there anything at this point you have questions about to which we probably know we're gonna get a no, right? Ask him a better question. Ask him something specific. Hey, so we know he's a first time buyer. 
we know he's currently renting. Hey, so what, what made you decide to look at purchasing instead of renewing your lease? Right. That, how about that one? Or where have you, uh, what have you, what steps have you taken so far in your, in going down this journey of potentially purchasing? Right. Like we need some bigger questions that will force this guy to talk things that he can't yes or no us about, or simply pick the answer to. Right. And, and here's a couple of things that, that I'll add a couple of those questions. Hey, so currently you're, you're a renter. Is there anything specifically you like about the place that you're renting? Is there anything you don't like about the place you're renting? Don't ask those same questions simultaneously, Brett. But they already covered. Don't ask two questions at once. But either of those questions are good. And honestly, don't like seems to be better sometimes. But in this scenario, I was trying to get the guy to focus a little positive. And again, we couldn't hear him real well, but he didn't come across to me as the most positive human being on the other end of the phone. The other thing I would say is be stay away from, and it might've been mirroring and matching, and I don't know, I couldn't hear, but it just felt a little clinical to me. Bam, 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 bam. And that's okay to do if you've established some rapport on the front end. Hey, Dale, I'm just going to ask you a couple of quick questions for information right now. How many bedrooms, how many bathrooms? You know, you can do that. But you have to have some kind of rapport before you do that. So, you know, and then another great question in this scenario is, so in an ideal world, tell me some things that you would like in your, your new house. Yeah. You let them yeah. dream a little, let them future pace, let them get to something where the guys might get interested in, in participating. Now, some people are never going to participate. There's some people are just going to bore you to death and you got to deal with that. But we got to try. Yeah. The other thing I would point out is that uh, with this kind of person, you hear how monotone, how disengaged the lead sounds, how very basic the answers are. Uh, and part of what you didn't hear is that the guy was calling in on a co-op, co uh, which uh, I don't know where he's from, but there aren't a lot of co-ops in the country. A co-op is a different structure than a condo where you're purchasing into ownership of a business, essentially, into an entity versus buying real property. Um, and so with a co-op, typically they're going to be much less expensive. So here's what happens, right? If you know this, and if you've worked in that kind of area, we've had, we have some co-ops in Philly. What happens is when you have a first time buyer who sounds disengaged, doesn't sound very educated on the process and is calling about a cheaper than normal property, you need to get them to talk to you to determine whether or not this is in fact a legit ready, willing, enabled buyer or if you just have somebody who's dreaming, uh, who can't actually afford to do this and saw what they think is a cheap property. So the only way that you're gonna be able to tr try and discern that is by getting them to talk more to you um, versus what was going on here, which is very dead end conversation. Yeah, and let me tell you what I've heard most agents do. Hey Dale, this is a co-op. Let me tell you about a co-op. Don't do that. The question is, hey Dale, this is a co-op. Are you familiar with co-ops? No, I'm not. Okay, then I can describe it to them. Oh, or yes, I am. Okay, great. So out of curiosity, what is the benefit that you see to buying a co-op over buying a traditional house? That's oh, it's cheaper. Question. Okay. So, but it's always, you know, my concept for me is just what's the next level? And that's what I try and think of every single time is what's my next level question that I can ask because I don't know anything about this guy. I want to get him to talk. I want him to do some discovery. And, and those are types of 
questions that take it to the next level. And I can tell you right now, I've never sold a co-op. There's not a single co-op in my market as far as I know. So I am not the person to know about that, but I know how to do discovery. And that's really all that is, is just a discovery of, okay, so yeah. you like a co-op, what, what about a co-op? So Yeah, perfect. no, that's a great question, Brian. That would cause somebody to do more talking than, than what happened here. Um, because you know, is there special financing deal that comes with co-ops? I'm, I'm going to guess there probably is like, you know, so, like condos or... yeah, but you're typically at best, you're going to have to put down like 20 or 25%. Uh, if, okay. if the building is financeable, but typically no, it's usually a cash purchase. Now I, uh, I have to give a caveat because in New York, there's a lot more, more co-ops here in Philly. It's a cash purchase. Um, okay. but there might be, there might be ways of financing in New York. So if any of if any of our Manhattan people or New York people want to chime in as to whether you can get co-op financing, please let us know. Sure. And so right. Alex actually put a question in there. I'll, I'll read it. What kind of questions would you ask to determine if the lead is qualified? That's his first question. So kind of what Dale was talking about right now is like, so this is a co-op. First of all, I need to find out if he even understands what a co-op is. And then hopefully I'm knowledgeable to Dale's point. Hey, generally speaking, co-op properties require 20% down. This house is listed for $400,000. Do you have $80,000? Um, no, I have no money. Okay, great. Well, we might need to go a different way. Yeah. And, and, you know, just kind of doing some discovery. Um, would you ask him if he's been pre-approved is an Alex's second question. And I would ask it just that way. First of all, I would find out if he has any idea what we're talking about. And by asking him, do you have 20% down, assuming that's what you need to buy a co-op? And the guy says, no, that answers the question without asking me if he's been pre-qualified. He's not been pre-qualified for a co-op. I might ask, so did, have you talked to a lender about, about buying a house? Oh yeah. Okay. So understand it's a little bit different. It's kind of like, so this is what I deal with in Arkansas. It's going to sound rednecky, but I'll, it is what it is. So this is the same discussion I have to have with people on mobile homes. So a mobile <laughs> home is 30 to 40% cheaper than a you know stick built home. That might not be exact math, but significantly cheaper. But there's a flip side to that. You can either do FHA, assuming that it's a house, that it's been set up that way, or you got to put 15 to 20% down. And that blows out most people who are buying a mobile home to save money because they don't have the down payment. So yes, we absolutely have to go through this discovery and making people aware, hey, you know, a condo, a townhouse, or not townhouse, a condo, uh, a co-op, it sounds like, a mobile home, they have different financing than your standard stick built stuff. Are you guys familiar with that? No, no, I'm not. Well, we better get you with a lender to make sure that you're not wasting your time. So what we heard everybody is that if you want to invest in mobile homes in Arkansas, please contact Brian. Yeah, it's uh, what's Dale's phone number? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not a big fan of selling the mobile home. I, it's funny. My old business partner used to say this. He goes, there's two things you never want to get involved in, and that's mobile homes and drugs. And I added a caveat to that. And I said, well, at least they have rehab for drugs. So there you go. <laughs> We apologize well, sincerely to any mobile homeowners out there. Um, well, well, absolutely. And, and you know, and, and here's why we said that, because honestly, a mobile home is an appreciating asset. And so, you know, unless you're in a market like right now where it's screaming, sometimes you literally wake up and your house is worth less than it was the day before. Uh, there's good times to use mobile homes, though. So I'm not saying that we make fun of it, you know, but ultimately, yeah, they're, they're the right investment for the right person at the right place. So I'm making fun and I apologize for that. But have a uh, what, I, what I do want to point out uh, when Alex asked how you would ask, right? I mean, you can ask if he's pre-qualified. Generally, I believe Brian and I suggest that you don't use an industry term like pre-qualified, especially with a first-time buyer, um, yes. because it sounds like some kind of technical jargon that is a barrier to entry. 
And so instead, you just want to ask it much softer, which Brian did. Uh, you asked, have you spoken to a lender yet? Uh, you can ask, have you talked to anyone about financing? Uh, have you run numbers with anyone uh, about a mortgage or about borrowing, you know, uh, doing financing to purchase the home? Uh, you can ask any of those things. Or you could even just ask, hey, you could start out with, so will you, are you planning to purchase in cash or use financing? Start there. They introduce financing when they say they don't have cash, but some people are, uh, are honored to, uh, that you might consider that they would have the cash to purchase with. Um, and then give them the alternative that they can use financing. And that brings the financing question. Great. Have you talked to anybody? Have you run numbers with anybody yet? Have you looked at your finances yet or, or into getting a loan? Yeah. And I love that. And I love the fact that Dale said, don't ask them if they're pre-qualified. If they are, they'll know what that means because they'll probably have a pre-qualified. But if they're I'll not, you, they'll say I'm pre-qualified. Right. And so, but I love that. That's the same script that I've used for years too. Um, you know, if I'm going to ask about financing, whether that's on person, in person or on the phone. So are you guys planning on paying cash or are you planning on doing some financing? And again, no one's ever insulted if I ask them if they have $300,000 in cash. But if I ask somebody, are you pre-qualified? They might get insulted by that. You know, I used to deal with a lot of high-end people because in Bentonville, Arkansas, it's the home of Walmart. So you got a bunch of, you know, C-level execs, those vice presidents at Walmart making really good money. And not to mention, there's all these vendors who work there, you know, people making really, really good money. And if you ask them, are you pre-qualified? They would get insulted. They'd be like, of course I'm pre-qualified. You know, I'm a vice president of Walmart, this, 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 who knows what they were. There's some million, million vice presidents over there. But, you know, those are important things is we have fragile egos and that's just the reality of it. Yes. So stroke somebody's ego, don't insult them, I guess is really what I'm saying. And I, I know that there's no one out there who's trying to insult somebody. They're asking that pre-qualification question because they've been trained. Hey, ask if they're pre-qualified. Yes, but ask it in a better way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we have a lot of we have a lot of doctors and a lot of attorneys here in Philadelphia, and they, you know, when you ask them if they're pre-qualified, they honestly get insulted. They're like, "I can buy and sell you, right? How dare yes. you ask me, you local <laughs> person, if I'm pre-qualified?" Meanwhile, a lot of times they're the people who are overextended uh, and have too much debt. <laughs> they don't understand what DTI is. Uh, right? Yeah, you have a 950 credit score, and you make a bajillion dollars, and you spend a bajillion in one, they're not going to loan you more money, no matter what. Uh, it's interesting, my, my former lawyer, unfortunately, he passed, but good friend of mine, he had horrible credit. One of the things that I've seen is doctors and lawyers oftentimes have horrible credit. So the flip side of those two professions is you don't ask them if they've been pre-qualified, but you also don't write offers until they are, because right. very seriously, um, I've seen some of the worst credit with doctors and lawyers. They're great at what they do, but they're not so good at some other things. And, you know, it's kind of like Einstein, like he would walk out of his office not wearing pants because he was so focused on what he was doing. You know, there's this weird level of genius that happens sometimes just because you're part of your life doesn't mean you're any good over here. So, but yeah. I love that, you know, stroke the ego. I mean, at the end of the day, people like people who like them. So, oh, you're a doctor. That's also what's your specialty, you know, get them talking about them, you know, hey, by the way, you know, I'm sure you're able to buy a house, but, you know, if you consider talking to a lender that way, if and when we're ready to write an offer, we can set a prequal letter. It's really important in this market. I just did this without calling, without asking them that. So, you know, for me, there's two things that I, that I think that we, a lot of people need to work on. First is patience. When you're doing these phone calls, be patient. Listen to what they're saying. It's a puzzle. And then, you know, be subtle. 
Like, I can't tell you the number of calls that Dale and I listen to where people are just smacking the client around. Like, be subtle. Have, have a little finesse to this. And I think that that's really important. I used to smack them around a lot. Like, I used to work expireds and fizbos and do all that really hardcore prospecting. And one day, this guy in my office who, you know, was a lot more successful than I was and had been doing it a lot longer than I was, but he was like 100% sphere of influence and repeat and referral business. And I'm out there like breaking rocks in the sun, trying to make business happen with these complete strangers who don't want to talk to me. And he's like, Hey man, um, I think you should try being nicer to people. Like just, uh, if you want to, cause he could overhear me prospecting in the office. He's like, maybe you should try being nicer. And at, you know, initially I was like, dude, what do you know? Like, uh, like, you know, I, I got this cause I'm arrogant. Right. Turns out he was right. It's crazy. If you'd be nicer to people, it works out way better. Uh, I've, I've always said this. Yeah, and I believe this. The idea of sales is to be extremely high pressure, but appear extremely low pressure. And I know that that seems kind of like a crazy concept, but you know, I was teaching a listing class earlier today, and here's my listing close, my entire close, by the way, is I slide the paper in front of them and say, unless you guys have any questions, please sign above your name. It's my entire close. By the way, I had a pretty darn high close rate on it, but here's the problem with most people, what they don't do, then they start talking because 30 seconds in, no one said anything and you talk first. So the person who talks first loses. And, but honestly, that's, it's a great close. It works fabulously. And I had a pretty high closing percentage. And I'm not saying that's the only thing I did. I didn't walk in and slide it in front of what was in step one, but nonetheless, you don't have to be fancy. You don't have to be tricky. And by the way, that doesn't really appear that high pressure. Hey, unless you guys have any questions, please sound above your name. Does that sound like high pressure? sound high pressure you know i said it with a smile on my face and i said it enough to you know i'm just you know, whatever i'm just waiting for you you have that's, to figure yeah, it out Let that's the lot that's the logical conclusion to this conversation right please sign above your name yeah uh iron fist in a velvet glove that's what i was thinking about that's there what you, you got i like it yeah iron fist in a, in a velvet glove don't let the you know i used to just be all iron fist no velvet glove man uh so i had to figure out how to sort of uh, you know, couch my uh, extreme, uh, you know, directness in in a in a in a digestible human uh, manner. We've but, got somebody who's got their hand up. We've got just a couple of minutes left. I don't know. Um, uh, I'm going to probably mispronounce. I think it's Adrian. Did you did you want did you want to ask a question? You got your hand up. Oh no, she put it down. Okay, that was he or she put it down. I can't I can't tell. Um, yeah. But, uh, so. Uh, let's see. Oh, she said, sorry. Great. No problem, Adrian. Uh, listen, everybody, if you want to have calls played, please submit them. And hopefully Kevin caught us, Kevin, who submitted his call today. And if not, uh, I'll try to find Kevin's email and send it over to him. Adrian's listening in the car. Excellent, Adrian. Fantastic. So, uh, we'll be back next week, everybody. Great seeing everyone. Uh, Brian, I know we ran out of time to play your call. I know that you're, you're very disappointed. I hope that you're going to be able to live through this experience. And, and I am, I am. It just makes my prep for next week a little, a little bit easier, right? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. But no, I appreciate being here today. You know, and you know, my takeaway from this call is just a couple of things, and I'll button that up, and we can finish up. It's just, it, it's challenging when you're dealing with people who are, yeah, 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 yeah. So remember, I've said this a thousand times in the last ten years choose to be the person who's uncomfortable. So you don't have to try and make it better. Just work through it. You don't have to try and go, well, I'll answer the question for you. I'll answer the question for you. 
relax, listen through it. And eventually one of two things is going to happen. They're going to open up a little bit or you're just going to keep pushing through. Either way is okay. So you do not have to, you know, you don't have to work that hard. You don't have to answer the question. Wait, be patient. And eventually they're going to answer or hang up. So, you know, that, that's kind of where we're at. But uh, Dale, I appreciate you as always. Great insight. And uh, can't wait to see you again next week. You too, Brian. Have a great day. Good joining us, everybody. Thank you so much.